All right. Tonight we are going to be in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, excited to be s- studying God's Word with you guys tonight. Um, so if you guys want to turn there, you're welcome to do so. If you do not have a Bible, I encourage you to grab one. We have one under the chairs around you. And I am using a church Bible right now, so as soon as I flip there, I'll tell you the page number. It's not that I forgot to bring my Bible. I brought my Bible. But I have an ESV, and I figured that would be confusing since we usually use the New King James. So, not a total heathen. All right, uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Really cool passage. Um, Yeah. Church Bible, if you're looking for it, it's going to be in 1,824. Um, yeah, this is a great, great section of Scripture. Um, I'm going to read it, and then uh, we will pray and then dive in. Uh, before I read it, though, since our teenagers are in here tonight, um, and that's not entirely normal since we usually have class in the back, um, just wanted to read something uh, from Timothy to you guys. I won't read it because I'd have to flip for it, and, but I got it memorized. Um, Paul, when he was talking to Timothy, Timothy was a young man, uh, a young man who loved the Lord and was following the Lord, and he, he gave Timothy a, a charge, right? He says, hey, Timothy, you young man, don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, right? But instead set an example for the believers in the things that you say, in the things that you do, in, in, in the way you love, in the way you have faith, and in the purity that's demonstrated in your life, right? And tonight, I just want to encourage you guys, hey, tonight, normally you're maybe used to more of a, uh, uh, a lesson that's geared towards your age group, which is, it's a good thing, Right? At the same time, I do expect a lot of you guys, right? I believe that, uh, that if you guys will engage your hearts and your minds, God, God wants to say, hey, uh, I don't look down on you as like a, a uh, smaller Christian because you're younger, right? He, he says, hey, I, I want to meet you where you're at, right? Uh, you, you can be an example to the older people, actually, if you'll give your heart fully to the Lord and walk with him, and, and that can be such a powerful thing. Um, so I want to encourage you guys, even as we study the scriptures together, it'd be easy for you to zone out or to, you know, pull out a phone and just surf the web and the social media stuff. But, but Paul wrote to Timothy, and we're going to be covering Timothy, some of Timothy tonight, and one of the things he told him was that because you're young, don't let people look down on you. And the idea, guys, is not like, you know, you got some older people that are looking at you and you're being a real jerk. <laughs> and, and they're like, hey, what are you doing? And you're like, hey, don't look down on me because I'm young, bro. God told you not to do that, right? That's not what it's saying. It's not saying to talk that way, right? It's saying, hey, live in such a way that you don't ever give anybody a reason to look down on you. Does that make sense, right? Live in such a way that, hey, the, when people look at my life like, they have no reason to look down on me. They're looking up to me like, they're like, man, I need to be like that kid, right? That kid loves the Lord so much and challenge older believers, right? That's what Paul told Timothy to do, and, and I believe he would do the same for you. So uh, let's read our passage, 2 Timothy. We'll read through all of it, and then uh, we'll pray, and then we'll go over the passage together. 
Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purposes and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, but now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the good news to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed And I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. Hold fast to the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. Man, I've practiced these words before. They're really hard to do. The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. I think I got that one right. For he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him that he may find mercy from the Lord in that day. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. And we'll just read the first verse of the second chapter because it's so good. You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Father, we thank you for your word that you've given to us. Um, It's powerful uh, and so deep and such a mystery of how you worked in this world to, to give us this book so that we could know you, have life in you. And Lord, we pray tonight that that would take place. Lord, you tell us that the scriptures are all pointing us to Christ, pointing us to find life in him. And I pray that every one of us would be met tonight, whether that's 
just growing deeper into the life that you've given or maybe for the first time coming to the life that's found in Christ. We pray that you would meet us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, um, so I'm not sure how many of you guys are familiar with uh, the, the book of Timothy, First and Second Timothy. This is the second letter that Paul wrote. So just real quick, Paul the Apostle is writing a letter to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor that, that has had traveled with Paul for, for many years on missionary journeys, and Paul has discipled him for years, and, and then he, he ends up sending him out to oversee a church. And, and that's really what's taking place here is Paul is continuing to encourage Timothy where he's at as he's serving this local church and um, just seeking to encourage him and show him what it means and how it looks like to, to do that well, to, to lead a congregation, to lead God's people. And um, yeah, so one thing that's pretty cool, I was just thinking through as I was reading this today, getting ready for tonight, um, reading through the whole letter of Second Timothy is uh, the reality that God wrote this, right? This is something that, that the Holy Spirit wrote for us, but he wrote it through the Apostle Paul. And that's kind of a, a mind-blowing thing to really think about, right? Because when you hear the things that Paul says, you know, he's saying I and me, right? Talking about his heart's desire for Timothy and what Timothy would walk in right? And, and the beautiful thing is what the God of the Bible uh, does in people's lives, right? What Jesus does in people's lives is, is he doesn't just take over somebody's life and, and you know, control their brain and, and turn them into the, some robot, right? He, he, he tells us that he's transforming us from the inside out. And so even as Paul's writing these things that are true in his heart, right? That he has the, these desires for Timothy to walk in these things and, and to, to live out this life following Christ. Paul's sharing this from his heart, and yet at the same time, the Holy Spirit is the one who's carrying him in this moment to write these words, which is just a crazy thing to think about how that works. Um, I love what Peter, Peter put it this way. He says, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but holy men spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So God makes it clear, and even Paul's going to make it clear in, in uh, the third chapter um, that all Scripture is God-breathed. Chapter 3, verse 16, and, and is profitable for working in people's lives, God's people's lives, to make us thoroughly equipped for every good work. But it's just a cool thing to even think about how God worked that. And, and you, you get to see a lot of Paul's heart, what God has worked into his heart through the years. This is probably Paul's last letter that he writes before he dies. He's in prison right now in Rome and going to be beheaded soon for um, holding on to faith in Jesus Christ. Um, so, Pretty cool stuff, uh, just to even think about. But uh, definitely see uh, the things that God had worked in deeply into Paul's heart and life, and it's it's a beautiful thing. So Paul starts it off with an introduction. They didn't have email back then, right? They didn't have text messaging back then, so they wrote these things in scrolls. So instead of putting like the greeting at the very end, sincerely so and so, sincerely Paul, right? They would put their greetings at the beginning, so the first thing you 
unrolling the scroll, you can say, oh, it's a letter from Paul, and it's to Timothy. Oh, here you go, Timothy. Right? So that's what we get at the beginning. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Just a quick note. I mean, you see Paul had a firm identity in Christ, right? He realized who he was, who God had made him to be. He's like, hey, I'm here, and I'm doing this, right? And what I'm doing is because God, God has this, right? God, this is God's will for my life, and I'm walking in that, right? And the only reason it's possible, he says, is the promise of life, which is in Christ, right? This is the promise of life. What is he talking about? He's talking about what Jesus has opened up through his death and resurrection, right? That, that he has made a way for us to have life, to have hope. And so that's the way Paul was able to, to serve the Lord as an apostle, by his will, was because Christ made a way for that. And then he says, hey, this is a letter to Timothy, and look at the way he, he, he talks to him. As a beloved son, I mean, Paul had just taken this young man under his arm and, and really mentored him, discipled him in the Lord. Um, he says, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, first thing uh, I think uh, I want us to, to look at is just the way that Paul discipled Timothy. You see it in this letter, and if you read the book of Acts, you see it in the book of Acts, how Paul exampled what it meant to follow Christ and also challenged Timothy in these things, showed him what it meant. So let's just kind of see it here. Verse 3, he says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers night and day. One of the things he did as, as a uh, mentor and a disciple maker towards Timothy is he prayed for him faithfully, right? And, and you even see it in the beginning, he, he also is an example to him, right? He says, hey, with a clear conscience, I'm doing these things, right? And you can't, money can't buy a clear conscience, right? There's millionaires, billionaires that can't go to sleep at night because of the things they've done and, and the guilt that they live with, right? Some of you in this room, maybe that's your life. Like, you have no uh, peace in your life, right? And, and that's what the, the book of Isaiah says. There's no rest for the wicked, right? You can't buy a clean conscience, right? But Jesus made a way, right, to have a clean conscience when we come to him in faith. And Paul says, hey, I have that. I have a clean conscience. Christ made it clean, and now I'm walking with him. And when we walk in obedience to Christ, um, after we've put our faith in Christ, right, then we're able to, to walk in that same pattern that Paul had, a, a, a life with a pure conscience, right? So he's, he's, he's a faithful in, in prayer for Timothy. He's he dearly loves Timothy. Um, you see that in, in verse 3, um, how, how he remembers him. You see that, uh, how he calls him beloved, right? He, he has this genuine love, right? So when we reach out to other people, when we're seeking to disciple people, we should follow that example, that pattern that Paul gives and Christ gave, right? more importantly, is, is it's not just words, right? It's not just us explaining something to somebody and yada, yada, like God is calling our hearts to be engaged, to have a genuine care for the people that we're reaching out to. And, and this is before we say like, well, that's for the pastors, that's for the apostles, right? This is, this is for all of us. I mean, God is very clear 
that this is something for all of us. Right before Jesus ascended, the last words he speaks to his disciples, right? All, all authority in heaven has been given to me and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've commanded you. And lo, or look, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Um, this is a, something that God has called all of his followers, all of his people to do this, right? We as the church were called to make disciples. Um, and, and Paul gives us a great example of that, right? And, and it would make sense because Paul wrote, follow me as I follow Christ, right? So our ultimate example is Christ. When we look at a disciple maker, right? he, he did that absolutely perfectly. But Paul is another great example of that. Um, so he, he loves Timothy genuinely, and he continues to encourage him, um, even from a distance, and even when he's very inconvenienced, I mean, he's chained up right now, you know, it'd be easy to say, oh, you know, somebody else can help Timothy out, like I'm kind of in a real bad spot, but, but Paul doesn't have that, he loves Timothy, he's praying for Timothy, he's invested into this young man, he knows God has put him in his life, and he's going to invest. He says this, uh, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. So apparently, at some point, you know, Timothy breaks down crying, and it was, maybe it was at, at Paul and Timothy's last parting um, that, that Timothy just breaks down in tears, and, and Paul just continually remembers that, the love that Timothy had for him and the love he has for Timothy. And, and he's like, man, I want to see you, right? Um, that I may be filled with joy, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which first lived in your grandmother, Louis, and your mother, Eunice, and I'm persuaded is in you. Um, he, he, he just speaks into to Timothy's life. He encourages him in his faith. He's like, man, I see God's work at your, in your life. I see that, that you have a genuine faith. And he even talks about kind of Timothy's background, right, where his mom and, and grandma were believers, and his dad's not mentioned, so maybe, you know, his dad was not in that space of, of being a believer, which maybe for, for somebody in that situation where there's a spouse that's a believing one and a non-believing one, take encouragement even from what we see in this example, right, that the, the believing mom made such a difference inside of uh, Timothy's life, right, to where Paul the apostle noticed that and said, hey, that faith was in your mom, and before that, it was actually in her mom, right? And that made a difference in, in Timothy. And we'll read later in the book of Timothy, actually, that he says, hey, you were brought up in the scriptures, right? So his mom uh, was training him, teaching him the word of God from a young age. And Paul said, hey, that was what was able to make you wise to salvation. So you understood, hey, this is the way to be saved. Because he knew the scriptures, he was brought up in them. And, and, and so that's just a side note, but, but Paul's encouraging Timothy in his faith. He's saying, hey, I see this in you right? And these are our key ingredients to discipling people well. Faithfully praying for them, loving them as family, right? I mean, as a brother or sister or son in, in the faith, um, encouraging them, and, and then lovingly and strong, strongly teaching them the truth of Christ. And Paul does that a lot, right? Where he has to speak some hard words to Timothy at times, really encouraging him, but he always does it in love. So we'll just keep reading. We'll see 
um, verse 6, he says, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Another word could be like uh, fanning into flames, right? As if you had like a, a fire that had almost gone out and it's just a bunch of coals and you're fanning it into flames or you're stirring it to, to get the oxygen in there to cause the fire to, to start again. He says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if you are familiar with the book of, of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, this is a, a, something that Paul a, a lot of times addresses. He's call, calling Timothy, hey, don't be ashamed, right? You need to stand up and, and don't let be intimidated by people, right? So it seems like Timothy probably had some struggles with this. And Paul wasn't just there to coddle Timothy, right? He was there to speak God's truth and say, hey, this is what it means to follow Christ, right? This is what it looks like. And if we're going to rightly disciple people in Jesus Christ, right, teaching them and discipling, if you're unfamiliar with that term, simply means, hey, we're showing people how to follow Jesus, what it means to follow Jesus. And um, if we're going to do that right, I mean, we have to not be soft, right? We, we have to, uh, in, in love, speak the truth. And Paul does that so well, um, where it doesn't bring him to a, a space of giving up, Right, but it pushes them to say, okay, I've got to step into the fullness of what God has. Um, so much there. Uh, the encouragement, I mean, it's through all of 1 Timothy, all of 2 Timothy, the, the speaking uh, what it means to follow Christ. Um, and then lastly on this point, I'm going to drink some water. Okay, lastly on this point, um, he, he personally modeled this, right? It, it, when we're trying to disciple somebody, if we're doing something entirely opposite of what we're telling this person they should be doing, it's useless, it's meaningless, right? Talk is cheap, and the scriptures are very clear that uh, hypocrisy, right, that it just doesn't work, and it's not pleasing to God, it's not at all what God has. Paul is able to, to tell Timothy these things, and, and he's able to say, hey, follow me, right? Don't only do what I, I'm saying, do what I'm doing, right? And if we're going to be effective people who are making disciples in this world, as Christ has called us to, we've got to follow that pattern, right? Um, a lot more on, on the realm of discipling, but uh, this is a beautiful example, and I thought it was worthy of us just stopping to think about that. And on the topic of, of discipling, I just want to challenge us um, is to think, do we have a Timothy in our life, right? Somebody who is looking up to us and saying, hey, how do I do this thing? How do I follow Jesus, right? Whether they're older or younger, physically doesn't matter, right? What, uh, it, what matters is their age in the Lord, right? If, they, if you are further ahead in your following of Christ, then you can disciple somebody who, who is younger in the faith, right? Because that's what God has called us to. And so I just want to challenge you guys to think, do I have a Timothy in my life or multiple Timothys in my life? Do I have people that I'm investing into? Because if I'm not, I'm missing like a huge part of what God has me here for, right? I mean, Jesus said, I'm leaving, right? And I'm leaving you guys as the witnesses. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You're it, right? I'm leaving you guys as my representatives. And that, that's what God's called us to. It's our responsibility he gives us the strength to do it, but it's our responsibility. We've got to be investing into those that God puts in our lives 
and reaching out to find new people who don't know the Lord and, and then discipling them, right? It's not just preach the gospel. It's preach the gospel and make disciples, right? We've got to follow up and teach them what it means to follow Christ and then fo- teach them to make disciples, and it blows up, right? All right, <clears throat> so off of that, and uh, thinking uh, verse 6, it is where we'll, we'll kind of dive in here again. It says, Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And like I said, that, that term, that word, uh, stir, the idea behind that word in the original language it is of stirring a fire to bring it back to life, a fire that has almost died out, or fanning into flames, a fire that has almost died out. So some of your translations may say fan into flame the gift that God has given you. Um, I think of what the scriptures say is that each of us have received a gift if you know the Lord, right? If you belong to Christ, uh, the scriptures tell us that as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as a good steward of God's very grace, so God makes clear, and that, and that would be an entirely different study if we were to try to look into the, the different giftings that God gives. But if you know Jesus here tonight, God tells us that his spirit has come to live within us. He's changing us, right? And he's empowering us. He's giving us gifts in order to glorify him, to serve other people, right? To, to make him known into this world, right? And, and through, through a... a a moment in time where, where that was made known to Timothy as Paul was laying his hands on, on Timothy praying for him. It was made known that God had given him a gift, right? And Paul's telling him, hey, I want you to, to stir this thing up. I want you to cause it to, to start on fire again. And the idea here is, is that this is not an automatic thing, right? Fan into flames, stir the fire back up. It's not automatic, right? Today, we like automated things, right? Whether that's uh, the, the things we have on our phones. I mean, we have apps that automate everything and make everything so simple. Um, uh, we, we love to make things just streamlined and easy to do, automatic, where it just does it in the background. Um, that's not how it works with our, our relationship with God. That's not how it works with the gifts he's given us, the things he's called us to. It's not automatic growth. It requires focus. It requires intentionality. It requires perseverance. Um, I was reading a commentary by David Guzik, and he put it this way. He said, this reminds us that God does not work his gifts through us as if we were robots. Even when he gives a man or a woman gifts, he leaves an element that needs the uh, cooperation of their will, of their desire and drive to fulfill the purpose of his gifts. Some are waiting passively for God to use them, but God is waiting for them to stir up the gifts that are within them. Some are waiting for some dramatic new anointing from God, and God is waiting for them to stir up what he has already given. And I think that's well put. Um, if you know Christ here tonight, God has given each one of us gifts. And, and Paul is urging Timothy, hey, stir this gift up. Don't just let it sit there, right? Don't neglect it. He would tell him in First Timothy, don't neglect this gift, right? Stir it up. Intentionally 
be fanning that flame. Turn it into fire, right? Don't let it die out, right? If it's left unattended, it's just going to shrivel and, and die out, right? Fade out. And Paul's like, don't let that happen. Um, don't let that happen. And, and this is... Uh, this is, this is what, what the Lord's called us to as, as His people in our gifting, but even in our, our walk with the Lord, this the, it is the same way, the same principle, that in our walk with the Lord, it's not this automatic thing, right? There, there is this space where it takes intention, it takes focus, it takes uh, going in that direction. I think of what Peter put, he said, rather you must grow and the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All glory to him, both now and forever. Amen. And there's just this challenge that God has given us as his people. He says, hey, you, you grow, right? Don't just sit there, expect for this thing to happen all on its own, right? You've got to grow. And so that goes for our giftings, right? Whatever those are, maybe God's gifted you as an evangelist. Maybe he's gifted you in teaching. Maybe he's gifted you in, in showing acts of love and, and mercy, right? There's so many different giftings, and you should look into the scriptures uh, if you're unfamiliar with those. And there's lots of good teaching on that as well. Um, maybe you have these giftings and you've let them just kind of sit on the back burner and, and you're not stirring them up. And, and Paul's urging to Timothy was, hey, stir this thing up. Don't let it burn out. Don't let it fade out. I mean, what did Christ call us to be? We're the light of the world, right? We're not supposed to be this smoldering little piece of ash in the corner, right? We're supposed to be like this forest fire, God's people united together, just shining this bright light of Christ in this world. And... Uh, and, and Paul's just challenging, um, challenging him in, in this. Um, so the focus that Paul is speaking of here is Timothy's gifting in the Lord. I think um, I'm going to take a little bit of a rabbit trail for a second because this is something I've been thinking of in recent times. Um, and so I, I, I believe that the same principle stands for our our general walking with the Lord, um, our, our growing in, in Christ-likeness. There's other passages like the one we just read that w- would speak towards that. Um, and, and for some reason, you know, sometimes we get into our mind like, this is just automatic, right? The older I get physically, I'm going to be more spiritual. I'm going to be closer to Christ. I'm going to be more holy. I'm going to be more prayerful. I'm going to be more what God wants me to be in the image of Christ, and that's not the case, right? Uh, we, we must daily take the Lord's hand, right, uh, as he offers it to us and ask, Lord, please help me to grow today, right? We've got to get in the Word. We've got to pray. We've got to spend time with our family in Christ. We've got to binge watch Netflix all day, right? Just kidding. No, right? That, that's not going to help that. Um, but, but it is something I've been thinking about lately, and... and you know, just kind of pondering my life and, and my walk with the Lord over the years. And it's so subtle. It can be so subtle that we, we drift and let the, the flame dim in our hearts, right? Uh, because we live in a world that is, is so broken and so full of lies, right? Um, Book of Hebrews puts it this way. He says, hey, you got to encourage each other every day 
As believers, you've got to encourage each other every day. Why? Because of the deceitfulness of sin, right? Sin is lying to us on a daily basis. Sin is saying, hey, it's not that bad, right? You can give it one shot, right? Uh, it, it doesn't work for other people. You know, they get caught, they get in trouble, but, but for you, it's going to be okay, right? Sin on a daily basis is lying to us. It's just, you know, one time of looking at pornography, right? It, it'll be okay. It's not a big deal, right? It's just this. It's just that. There's always an excuse that sin's making. Sin lies to us, right? And God tells us, hey, that's what it's going to be like. Sin is going to lie to you. Day in and day out, sin is going to lie to you, right? That, oh, this will satisfy your life, right? Sleeping with your boyfriend outside of marriage, yada, 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 this, that, the other, right? And sin is constantly lying to us, and God is telling us, hey, no, you've got to encourage each other. You've got to hold fast. This thing is not automatic, right? And, um, and it's so easy to drift because, and what does he say? That your hearts become hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's over time, slowly, it's, it's lying to you. It's lying to you, and your heart just gets harder and harder and harder. But you don't recognize it, right? It's not like this day and night thing. It's a slow thing, right? And... I've definitely just had a sense in my life, the Lord challenging me, hey, you gotta, you got to press in. You've got to uh, be intentional about this thing and draw closer and, and focus in on your walk with the Lord. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just for, for me personally, like some of the areas the Lord's been challenging me on is, is holiness in my own life. Um, you know, things that I would have seen in the past coming on a TV screen would have been like, oh my gosh, what is that? And being in this world and seeing it for so long, it just kind of becomes normal, right? And it's like, oh, not that shocking. It should shock us as God's people uh, who, who he has made holy, that, that the things that come, right? Holiness would be one of them. Prayerfulness would be one of them. Um, fasting would be one of them. I look and say, am I doing these things better now than I was five years ago? And that's just a personal question for me right now. Like, I don't know if I, I, I'm trying to answer that question, right? And I don't want that. I know that's the wrong direction, right? We're not supposed to be going that way, right? We're not supposed to be settling. We're supposed to be going deeper into Christ and, and closer to Christ. So that's me being vulnerable where the Lord's speaking to me. And I want to take a moment in this space give you guys a moment of silence and just think, where's my walk with the Lord right now? Am I closer to Jesus today than I was five years ago or the, the first year I came to know the Lord? Is, am I as passionate uh, about the Lord as I, am, uh, as I was when I first came to know the Lord or five years ago or whatever? Or, or am I starting to burn out like a, a coal, an ember just kind of burning out in a fire pit, right? So take a moment and just pray between you and the Lord and just, just ask. Um, ask him to show you if there's anything that you need to stir up, that you need to fan into flames. Lord, you know our hearts here tonight. I pray tonight we would see your holiness in a, a new light that would lead us to, to long to be more like you. Lead us to long to be more devoted, fully devoted, fully given to you because of 
your holiness, because of your worthiness, because of your love. We pray for this tonight. Meet our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, going back to, to uh, just what we were talking about, the direction God calls us as believers is to be getting brighter, right? For our fire inside of us to be getting stronger. Proverbs puts it this way, that the path of the righteous, it's like the light of dawn, right? So you got the sun coming on the horizon, and it's, you know, it starts early morning. Uh, it's starting to get bright, and the sun starts peeking over the mountains or the horizon, and, and you know, it starts getting a lot brighter. But by the time the sun's in the middle of the, the, the day, right, the middle of the sky, it's, it's, it's the brightest it's going to get, right? It's the perfect day. And that's what he's saying, hey, the path of God's people, that's what it's meant to be. It's not supposed to be the sunset, right, where it starts really great and then it just keeps fading out, fading out, fading out till it's gone, right? That's not the life God's called us to, right? I mean, that's not the God we serve, right? Our God, he tells us he's unapproachable light, like he's so light, he's so holy. If we're spending time with him, if we're pursuing him, how can we not get more bright in our lives, and that's what he's calling us to. Um, that's what he's calling us to. In, in specific to, to this text, he is talking about gifts, and I do want to kind of end this section on, on that focus. He says, um, you know, he calls them not to be afraid, um, not to neglect his spiritual gift, uh, I want to quote a passage from the first letter he wrote to Timothy. And he says, Hey, don't neglect the spiritual gift that's within you, which was intentionally bestowed upon you by the Holy Spirit through the prophetic utterance when the elders laid their hands on you. Practice and work hard on these things. Be absorbed in them, completely occupied in your ministry so that, those, so that your progress may be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself. Concentrate on your your personal development, and to your teaching. Persevere in these things. Hold to them. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. He, he calls them to this just intentional focus, right? He calls them to, to not neglecting these things. And I just, in, in closing on this section, just want to ask, are there things in your life that you've been neglecting, right? Has God been calling you to something whether that's uh, evangelism, right, preaching the gospel on the streets or to your neighbors or to your friends or, or teaching a, leading a Bible study, leading a Sunday school class, uh, uh, gifts of mercy, right, acts of, of, of kindness, these different things. What are there things that you're holding back from? And if, if you are, what is holding you back, right? There's lots of things that can hold us back. Timothy's was what we see in verse 7. He tells us, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Right. So in connection with Timothy letting this gift kind of fade away in his life, Paul says, hey, the reason you're doing that is because of fear. Right? Fear is controlling you in this aspect of life. Does that have anything to do with what you receive from God? And he says, no. Right? What did you receive from God? You didn't receive fear from God. Right? What is one of the most repeated phrases by God? Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Do not fear. Right? 
every time uh, an angel shows up. That's pretty much what they have to say. Um, constant, God is saying, hey, don't be afraid. I'm giving you a spirit of power. I'm giving you a spirit of, of love, of a sound mind, right judgment. And, and for us, what is keeping us back if there are things that we're neglecting in our life, specifically the spiritual giftings that God's given us, what are we, why are we neglecting those? It could be the same reason that Timothy was struggling because we're afraid. We're afraid of failing maybe. Like, man, I, do, I, just, I don't even want to pursue that because what if I mess this thing up? Or we're afraid of what people will think or we're afraid of what that opportunity is. You know, maybe it's evangelism and we're like, I don't want to talk to people. They're scary, right? And they are a little bit. But God is a lot stronger than scary people, right? Um, yeah. Um, I don't know what that is. It could be other things other than fear, right? It could be distraction, busyness, complacency, sin. I don't know, but I, I want to encourage us. Don't be afraid. Instead, lean in to God, right? Lean in because he's given us a spirit of power, of love, a sound mind. He gives us what we need in, to step into this. Paul continues this, this space of challenging Timothy to not be uh, timid, to not be fearful. He says, therefore, verse 8, therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, right? Meaning the good news of Jesus, what he's done, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. And we're just going to read all the way through verse 14 because this section really flows together. It says, share in the sufferings of the gospel according to the power of God. And then he just goes on to describe God in such an amazing way. He says, who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ before time began, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, to which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed for this suffering. Why? Because I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed to him until that day. So hold fast to the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. That is a good thing. That good thing which is committed to you, keep by the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. He calls them, hey, don't let fear control your life. Don't let fear keep you from sharing this good news about Jesus. And I think of, of what the scriptures tell us about this. There's so much about this in the prophets and such, uh, Proverbs puts it this way, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. And this goes in general, right? It doesn't only uh, focus on the aspect of sharing the gospel and being afraid to share the gospel because of what people would think. But it, but it, it certainly applies to that. But it goes for anything. And, and God is calling us to be a people who are not controlled by the opinions and thoughts of other people, right? But isn't that so much of what our world is? I mean, and that's what God is challenging us as his people to put
push against that, to not be a part of that, right? That's what literally everybody else in this world is doing that doesn't know the Lord. It's always keeping up with the Joneses or, or the Kardashians, right? It's keeping up with all these different people and, and, and you know, I've got to be as cool as this person and as that person and I can't do this because those people will think this about me and it's, it's all this people-pleasing garbage, right? And we're so afraid for people to not like us, right? And, and, and when we live that life, it's a dangerous life. It's a trap. It's just going to s- destroy us, right? And, and when we live that way, we dishonor God. I mean, think about it. We're choosing to give the people around us a higher place in our heart than we are God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth, created us, sent a son to die for us, and we are holding these people higher than him. Because if we're letting our lives be dictated by other people's opinions of us, right, fearing that if we follow Christ wholeheartedly, that, uh, that it's, it's going to cost us those friendships, it's going to cost us uh, that popularity, it's going to cost us the space at the work, workplace, whatever it is, if we're fearing that way, we're not walking with the Lord, right? The, in, in regards to that, the Lord has made very clearly that's not the motivation we're to have, and that's not the lifestyle we're to have. We're to live fully for the Lord. We're not to be conformed by this world, pressured from the outside, but we're to be transformed from the inside out, right? Doing what the Lord's called us to do. Paul, in speaking directly about sharing the gospel, he says this way, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. Why? He says, because it's the power of God to salvation for everybody who believes, right? Paul realized how powerful this message was. He's like, man, I can't be ashamed of this message. It'll save anybody who will receive it, right? Anybody who will receive Jesus Christ, it'll save them. How could I let other people's opinions of me keep from sharing this marvelous news? And beyond that, uh, even as a higher priority, would be his love and zeal for God, right? And I think we see that even in our section of Scripture here, where Paul, he's challenging Timothy, hey, don't be, don't be doing this. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, right? Don't be being afraid of what other people will think because you're sharing the gospel and the suffering that you might face. And then he just goes on to, to describe God in this beautiful way. He says, God who saved us, and called us with a holy calling, not because we were great people, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and his grace towards us, which was given to us in Christ Jesus when before time even began, right? That's crazy. But now has been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Jesus made this fully known, fully realized How? He abolished death. That's a cool thing to think of, abolishing death, right? When you think of, like, abolishing slavery in the United States, like, wow, that's amazing, right? Like, it was so terrible. Slavery was terrible. How could people even think of doing that, right? Um, yeah, it still happens today, unfortunately. But um, <clears throat> that, that was a beautiful thing, slavery being abolished, right? And, and what Jesus did is a million times better than that. He abolished death. Like, who could say that? Only Jesus, right? He's the only one who defeated death, faced it, and came back um, and never died again, right? Like, nobody's done that. He abolished death. He, 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 he put it back in the grave and said, hey, you're through, right? And think about it. If you know Jesus today, like, the confidence you have as a believer, hopefully, 
is unprecedented, right? For me, like, I don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh my gosh, what if I die today? You know, I don't. That, that sort of thinking does not come through my mind throughout the days of my life. I'm not afraid to die. I'm ready to die because I know what's going to happen. Like Paul said, I know whom I believed in. I'm persuaded he's able to keep, right? And, and, and there's this beautiful, just what he's saying about Christ. And, and just for a side note, if anybody here does not know the Lord and you're terrified of death, I believe God will want to speak this word to you from the book of Hebrews, chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. And only in this way could he set free, check it out, set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying, right? When you look at this world, I mean, this world is, is enslaved to this fear of dying. I mean, you've got people just, they're constantly freaking out about getting older, right? And, and, and trying to, to turn back the, you know, surgery after surgery, trying to, you know, pretend as if they're not about to, you know, croak and go into the grave, right? We're so afraid of, of what this looks like because their hope is only here and now. Right? But for us, if we know the Lord Jesus, like Jesus has, has come into this world, he abolished death right? so that those who were held captive, a lifelong prison sentence of this fear of death, like can't even live because all they're thinking of is death, Jesus set us free. Right? We have hope beyond the grave so that we know, hey, like what Jesus said, hey, anyone who believes in me, even though they die, they're going to live again. Right? And they'll live forever. They'll never die again. That's what we have in Christ, and Paul just goes on to speak about how amazing this God is that we serve, who abolished death, brought life and immortality to light, made it real, right? Made it visible to us and available to us through this good news, which I was appointed to preach, Paul, as an apostle, he says, and teacher to this Gentiles. This is the reason why I suffer these things. I'm not ashamed. He's like, I'm, I'm suffering these things because this is the God I serve, man. He saved me. He's called me. I didn't deserve to be called. He called me anyways, right? He set me aside to this holy calling. And then he just says it this way, for I know whom I believed. I'm persuaded he is able to keep what I have commended, committed to him until that day. There's a key in all of this to walking out the life that God has called us to. And it's mentioned several times, and I want us to go back through each of these sections where Paul talks about it. Um, but one of them, before we, we jump to the others, one of them is right here. It says, for this reason, I also suffer these things. Right? He's suffering because, what is he suffering? He's in prison right now. I mean, if you want to know what Paul went through, like the sufferings we go through in America because we stand up for Jesus is like nothing, right? Paul was beaten, to, stoned to death, and then he somehow lived, right? God, God gave him life still. Uh, shipwrecked, he was just beaten like crazy so many times spit upon like people did not like him <laughs> a lot of people did not like him and they did not treat him very nicely um but he was able to endure these sufferings why he says because i know 
whom I have believed in. And I am persuaded, I'm confident that he is able to keep what I have trusted into him, right? Till that day, till the day I go to be with him, till the day that Christ returns, whatever one it is, I, I've trusted him, I know him, right? He's faithful. Yeah. Another quote by David Guzik puts it this way. He says, we must know what we believe, but it is even more important to know whom we believe. When we know how great God is, when God and his glory becomes the great fact of our lives, then we have real boldness, right? And if we know our God, like Paul knew his God, he's like, I know my God. He's faithful. He has been faithful all these years of my life. I mean, Paul is writing this in his last years of his life. He's like, man, God's been faithful. I'm going through this stuff, and I'm willing to be suffering through this stuff because I know God's faithful. He's going to keep me. He's got this thing all figured out, and I trust what he tells me to do. I'll do it, and I'll suffer through it. That's okay if, it's, if it requires suffering because I know my God, and he's worthy. He's trustworthy. We see a, a key scripture um, we see a, a key scripture in, in our, our passage, um, several of them, that point us how we can live out the life God's called us to, how we cannot, and we're closing with this, how we cannot let the gifting inside of us just kind of smolder to the, in, in the sidelines of our life, right, where the, the flame that God has to burn inside of us is just burning out, right, dwindling away. And where we are not ashamed of our Lord, where we step in with boldness to share this good news as he's called us to, how do we walk in these things? How do we enter into this? Verse 7 is, is a key one. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Notice that Paul when he's encouraging Timothy, he doesn't say, hey, this is, you know, you got to make this all happen in your strength. He says, hey, this isn't what you've got from God, right? The thing that God is offering to you is his power. The thing that God is offering to you is his love. The thing that God is offering to you is his sound mind, right? It, he's not offering to you fear. That's coming from your old man. That's coming from this world. But what God is offering is what you need, and that's his power. That's his love. That's a sober mind, and then verse 8, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings of the gospel, right? What he was suffering because of his sharing the good news. He says, how do you do that? How do you share in the sufferings? According to the power of God, right? This is something that God enables his people to walk through. And God alone can do that. Verse 12 we covered, once again, it is this trusting God, letting him do this as we partner with him, as we walk with him in it. Verse 14 is another key one. Paul says this, that good thing which was committed to you, keep that, right? Don't lose it. But how do you do it? Keep it by the Holy Spirit who lives in us. Like, hey, God's going to do this, right? But you've got to participate in this. He doesn't say, hey, you just... Let the Holy Spirit do all the work. He says, hey, you're, you're involved in this thing, right? 
you keep this thing, but you do it by the power of the Spirit. He will give you that strength. And we know what the Scripture is saying that Galatians says, hey, if we'll walk with the Spirit, we're not going to walk in sin. We're going to walk with the Lord and what He has. And then lastly, um, from our passage, chapter 2, verse 1. And this is such a beautiful way of saying this. He says, you therefore, my son, right, therefore, when you see the word therefore, you should see what it's there for, and it's therefore the reason of what we were just reading about, right? All the struggles that Paul's talking about, and, and the fear that Timothy's dealing with, and, and the charge that Paul's giving him. He says, hey, in light of all this, this is what you need to do. My son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, right? This where you're going to find your strength is not, you know, going out and doing 100 push-ups. Your strength is going to come from waiting on the Lord. Your strength is going to come by abiding in Him, being near to Him, walking with Him. And I love one of my favorite scriptures in talking about this reality because it's so easy to go to one extreme or the other. It's so easy to say, well, you know, God's going to do all the work, so I'm just going to sit around and play video games all day or, you know, check Snapchat or check this or check that and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be distracted because God's going to do the work and he's going to keep making me. It's automatic, right? We like to think that. It's not automatic, right? God is giving us what's needed, right? But we have got to partner with him in it. Philippians puts it this way in a beautiful way. He says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. So Paul, again, is talking to the, uh, uh, somebody else, writing a letter to the church in Philippi. He says, hey, my brothers and sisters, I love you guys, right? You guys have always obeyed. When, and and don't, you know, not only when I was there physically, but even while I was gone. And then he says this, now that I'm gone, <laughs> make sure you're doing this all the more. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, we've got to note, he doesn't say work for our salvation, right? That would be a lie uh, of the enemy. We can never work for our salvation. It's a free gift of God that we accept through faith. But he says work it out, right? What does that mean? It means live out what God has done, right? Live out the salvation that God has given to you, right? And so there is this space where God is, is telling us as his people, we've got to live this thing out. It's not automatic, right? We have got to be intentional. We have got to be focused. We have got to say, Lord, I am pursuing after your holiness. I want more of who you are, and we're praying. We're walking in pr uh, prayer. We're walking in reading God's word, right? Meditating on him day and night, and we're walking in fellowship with our brothers and sisters. We're walking this thing out, and we're taking it. How? With fear and trembling. It's like, this is a serious thing. God saved me from my sins. God saved me from hell. He's given me new life. I am not taking this thing like, oh yeah, that's great, you know, uh, the best thing since sliced bread. It's, it's, doesn't compare, right? The, this thing that God has done is, is mind-blowing, incredible. We, we can never fully comprehend it in this lifetime. But then he gives us this hope, because if it was all on us, it was just work to sing out, you can do this, right? Uh, we would mess it up. We just would, right? But the hope is here, he says, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him, Right, and this is uh, mind-blowing. I love this passage because when I finally was introduced to this passage, I was like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what I need, right? I need to want to do what God wants me to do, right? I need to have that desire 
And then I need the power to actually carry out that desire, right? I need to long for more holiness. And then I need the ability to live a holy life, right? I need to, to long to be close to my Lord in prayer. But then I need the ability to actually do that. Right? I, I need to long to love my neighbor as myself. But then I need the ability to actually do that. And what has God told us? That's exactly what he's done. That he has poured out his spirit into our hearts, he, he's giving us love. He's given us joy. He's given us peace. He's given us patience. He's given us kindness, faithfulness, self-control, right? But how do we do that, right? Is it just this automatic thing like you can literally just lay on your couch all day and God's just going to pour all this stuff into and you're going to become this beautiful saint, you know, uh, saint couch potato? No, right? It doesn't work that way, right? We've got to walk this thing out. As God is pouring into us, we've got to live that out. And that, I believe, is, is really uh, what Paul is getting at as he's speaking to Timothy. He's like, hey, you've got to walk in this, right? These are things that you're, you're falling short in. Walk in this, and you do this by this, being strong in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't deserve this thing, right? You can't earn this thing, but God is offering you. He's extending you his grace. He said, hey, come, right? Come to me. And, and I'll, I'll give you rest. I'll meet you where you're at. I'll give you the strength you need. Right? And if tonight you're here and you don't know the Lord, I just encourage you to, to realize the Bible is very clear. We are dead in our sins. Right? Our sins separate us from God. Our, the penalty of our sin is death, the Bible says. Right? That's what we've earned for our sinning. And Christ, he came to abolish death. Right? He came to abolish the consequence of sin. And not only the consequence of sin, but to, uh, to erase sin itself to put, do away with it right and that's what christ invites us into to have new life in him and we do that by trusting in jesus christ as our lord and savior meaning our master saying you're the boss i surrender and i trust in you because you need it you alone can save my soul you alone can forgive my sins and so if you don't know the lord tonight that is god's word to you and if you do know the lord tonight I don't know where this finds you, right? Maybe you're like really doing great and your flame is bright and you're sharing the gospel and fear is not hampering and self, um, selfishness and complacency is not hampering. Um, then great. You're probably already, uh, gosh, yeah, sainthood or something. Um, no, you're, you know, that, that's not the case for any of us. God, God makes very clear. He's made us holy, but... He's still sanctifying us, right? We all have things that he's seeking to change and bring us more and more towards Christ. And so wherever that meets us tonight, uh, let's just look to the Lord and say, God, I want to pursue who you've made me to be. I don't want to be complacent. I don't want to miss what you have. I don't want to let the fire die out and the gifting and calling on my life. I want to pursue you. And I know you alone can do this in me as I rest in you, as I walk with you. So... Um, again, pray for us, and then we'll close in a worship song. Father, we, uh, I thank you that you have given us your word, Lord. You tell us that you've given us everything we need to live the life you called us to live here on earth. And Lord, uh, I thank you for this passage that you, you've given us to study tonight. And I know there's so much more than what we covered tonight. Um, but I thank you for the, the things that you have spoken tonight. I, pr I pray anything that was, was not of you would just be forgotten and everything that was of you would be 
remembered by us and we, it would bear fruit in our lives, Lord, that we would be a people who are on fire for you. The holy, righteous God who is so worthy of all of our praise, all of our glory, all of our honor. And so, Father, we thank you for everything you've done. And uh, Lord, help us to worship you now in song. But after that, Lord, help us to worship you in our life, in the things we think, the things we say, the things we do. I pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.